G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. When you monitor the news headlines, you can't miss the fact that the US is in an election. The political divide in the US looks much more polarised than our own Australian politics. The agendas being promoted by the Republicans with Donald Trump as president are starkly different to the platforms of the Democrats led by challenger Joe Biden. Well, it may not be an overstatement to speculate that the shape of the world rides on the outcome of the presidential election on the 3rd of November. In the mix is the coronavirus pandemic that's impact what was a flourishing economy. And the emergence of the Black Lives Matter movement that's brought rioting, violence, looting and racial division to the streets of many American cities. Well, some deeper insights today with Perry Atkinson, a conservative political commentator and Christian faith-based television host. He's also president of United Christian Broadcasters in the USA. He's general manager of the Christian media ministry called The Dove and hosts the television program called Focus Today. In other words, Perry's in charge of something in the vicinity of 12 radio stations, 14 television stations in the United States, and he is our special guest. Perry Atkinson, welcome along to 2020. Neil, great to be with you. Uh, Perry, better late than never. Let's get into a conversation around a Christian commentary on what's happening in the US. Uh, Let's talk about the social breakdown that seems to be happening in this and election year with all of the other impacts. What are your general thoughts on on the way things seem to be breaking down in the US? Well, I think, first of all, it's a clear divide uh, between the left, which is leaning towards uh, socialism at a level that the United States has never seen before, and on the right, which is clearly a traditional conservative alliance, God and country, or country under God, and certainly constitutional and very uh, capitalistic in its thinking. So there is a very clear divide between the two. I think spiritually, um, more and more people lean towards the right than the left, uh, where Donald Trump, President Trump, is clearly a polarizing figure. He still represents the greatest opportunity for religious freedom to continue. He certainly represents the greatest opportunity for the pre-born to have a life. And he certainly represents a huge former economy However, it is roaring back uh, at levels that we never thought would happen, even in the middle of the coronavirus and all of the uh, social unrest in the streets. Our economy is really strong. In fact, our NASDAQ today broke 12,000, which is an all-time record high. So uh, clearly a divide between the two. Uh, 
Well, Donald Trump certainly has more friends this time around than he had four years ago. And interestingly, as you say, and for our Australian listeners, the idea that there is a tendency in the US for Christians to lean towards the conservative side, the Republican side of politics. And I know that people sometimes get concerned around the idea that God is in the mix here. Donald Trump is very aware of that. Concerns that people might have that somehow or other God is being politicised uh, by being favoured on one side more than another. Any thoughts around that? Well, that's always been a concern, but the bottom line is uh, Donald Trump has done more for religious freedom in the United States than any president ever. Um, now, I'm not saying that God is a Republican by any means, but if we enjoy our religious freedoms and we enjoy uh, what we have seen now, an unleashing of religious freedoms unlike anything we've ever seen, uh, the only thing that remains in a way of total religious freedom is a thing called the Johnson Amendment, which basically means a pastor cannot publicly tell you how to vote for a candidate. But all other restrictions have been taken off. But aside from the political standpoint, religious freedom, that we can worship the way we want, we can evangelize the way we want, and uh, the other side does not represent that. The other side would like to see the church socialized into a corner and uh, don't really basically come out from its four walls. And it's clear in that divide. So there is a constituency in the United States. It's very strong. It's this evangelical vote. And uh, some might say, in a political sense, Donald Trump has been able to tap into that. But isn't this the essence of what it means when you are a Christian in a nation, and it is democratic, that when you actually have your values joined together, then those sorts of values that can guarantee the liberties and the freedoms that you've been talking about, that's what actually makes those freedoms happen. Christians actually do vote according to their conscience. That is a great question, Neil. And the problem right now is that Donald Trump, President Trump's style, has turned a lot of Christians off. I mean, he's very brash. He's very rough. He uses tough language. But what he does that favors religious freedom and enhance the things that most Christians want makes it difficult So in America, we have a phrase, uh, hold your nose and vote for him anyway. And uh, but that has caused some problems. But I will say that Donald Trump, in spite of his um, demeanor, he certainly has done more uh, for religious freedom and more for the life of the unborn than any president in the history of the United States. And, of course, those things don't get enough airtime in mainstream media here in Australia. But uh, for anyone who digs a little deeper, they'll know and that'll be confirmed uh, that the rights of the unborn and, in fact, across a whole lot of issues that Christians hold dear, Donald Trump has been right on side. I want to ask you about COVID and the insights that you might be able to bring because there are challenges there. Some people will say COVID was out of control and there's many tens, even hundreds of thousands who've died from COVID in the US. Just quickly, before we move on to some other important things, your thoughts around COVID and the handling that's that's happened from the uh, from Trump and uh, and whether that's having an impact on the election year. Well, it certainly is a big topic, and it certainly did shut down of our economy and continues to stifle growth in America, and it's got every major city basically shut down. 
The problem is that no number, whether it's the World Health Organization or the CDC or any other organization, has reported a number that's been accurate. Therefore, the credibility of the shutdown has been in question, and it's primarily being caused by very liberal governors who have shut down their state, Oregon being one of them. And here we are, we're the 42nd state out of the 50 in the United States on the list of COVID problems. So we're number 42, we're almost to the bottom, and yet our governor has used this as an opportunity to shut the state down. And the reason being is it's become the perfect political tool for the left to try to ruin the economy so that uh, President Trump doesn't get reelected. So it's gone from being a health issue to a political issue big time. Well, there's interesting connections there to some of the thoughts that people have in our Australian economy as well, where there are certain governments locking down uh, for and what some are saying is a political interest. Hey, let's keep the focus on the US, though. Black Lives Matter... Uh, in the city of Kenosha in Wisconsin just yesterday, Donald Trump uh, named the violence that's been happening as domestic terror. I wonder if you've got any thoughts on on the way that he has a very interesting skill in being able to name these things in, in, in ways that uh, will draw attention to the importance of the topic uh, like no other. Uh, what are your thoughts on domestic terror in uh, Kenosha and in other cities around the U.S.? Well, first of all, there's two organizations that are causing this domestic terror, if you want to use that term. Uh, one is Antifa, and Antifa has been designated by the Trump administration as being a, um, a domestic terrorist organization. Black Lives Matter, uh, as an organization, uh, has not been identified as a, a domestic terrorist group. However... I would encourage your listeners to just Google Black Lives Matter and read their front page and who they really are. They're an anti-family, pro-homosexual, militant group that believes in doing what they are doing, even to the point of killing people who wear a pro-Trump hat. And that's what happened in Oregon. Um, The mystery is that the people on the left side of the political spectrum have not denounced either organization were on the right side is being denounced uh, just about every hour. So uh, they are two organizations. The question is, who is funding them? And there's a move now in the United States to dig below the surface to find out where they're getting their support. Because when they show up to do a demonstration, there's literally pallets of bricks and cases of water to help them. And the question is, who's supplying that? Yeah. And just to reflect on the fact of the killing that you mentioned of that pro-Trump supporter in your own state, uh, what sort of headlines are you seeing? Uh, How are things being reported around that incident? Well, it it was national headlines for about three days, and it still remains to be headlines because uh, they're still looking for the person who did it. But moreover, it's been being misrepresented as somebody who was in a anti, um, uh, well, a pro-Trump rally that sparked the, uh, the riot. And that is not true. He and one other guy was walking on the streets. He was wearing a pro hat on a side street from where all of the activity was. And three gentlemen walked up to him and said, there's one. And they shot the one that had the pro-Trump hat and killed him right there on the street. 
So um, the problem we're having, Neil, is that there isn't one organization or candidate on the left that has denounced it and has called it out for what it is. And I think that is backfiring on the left big time. And President Trump will go on and win substantially in November. Uh, really interesting insights. Love to take things a little deeper, but there's a lot of ground to cover. Perry, let me ask you about the idea of a peaceful transition of power in the US. And this seems to have started with Donald Trump saying that he was, wasn't going to let go of the presidency until absolutely certain that he had lost the election. Uh, now the shoe is on the other foot too, and uh, the Biden camp is uh, threatening uh, to uh, to not uh, res- to not concede the election until all sorts of things happen. What are your thoughts around the peaceful transition of power and the possibility that there might be real violence if that doesn't happen? Um, first of all, I think that's just a political talk right now. Um, the only thing that the left has to uh, make any of that possible would be whether or not they get full control of mail-in balloting. And there's a lot happening now to control that. Um, you got to remember that if the president or who's ever elected on November 3rd does not have to take, uh, will not take office until January 26th, and the uh, electoral college has to weigh in by uh, the week before Christmas. So I think what you'll see is a lot of, um, a lot of talk and a lot of emotions right after the election until the Electoral College files their vote, which will be sometime before Christmas. And that pretty much ends the election. And the president either is taking his new vows in January or Joe Biden is sworn in. Um, but at the end of the day, um, right now, it's the only thing the left has back. And uh, it's just political talk. I don't think that it's as threatening as all of it seems to be. Uh, We will have an election. Uh, It will be clear. Um, Most of the polling, which is not what you're hearing over there, most of the polling here shows that Donald Trump probably will win substantially. Well, it's one of those things, isn't it, that when a nation is shaped by Christian values, the ideal of a smooth transition and peaceful transition of power is one of those things that seems to be a hallmark of a society that has those Christian grounded uh, roots. So we'll be interested to see that. Hey, I want to ask you about uh, violence against African Americans. And there is, you know, some headlines that say that the violence against African Americans, of course, uh, is systemic. I wonder whether you've got any reflection on the uh, the mood of Americans and the way typical Americans feel about the racism issue. Well, first of all, the term Black Lives Matter came from uh, white cops shooting black people. And uh, out of that came the term Black Lives Matter. And yes, Black Lives Matter, and so do all lives matter. But the term has been hijacked by an organization that is just nothing more than anarchy, and that's unfortunate. But as far as the actual racism issue is concerned, the amount of white cops killing black people is the lowest number of homicides in the country. The highest number of homicides in the country is blacks killing blacks. And so, yes, the race 
uh, issue is hot and heavy, but most people see through it for what it is. And it really has sparked just the opposite. And that is that all lives matter. And I think there is a tremendous uh, effort to cross over racial lines and bring healing. And this is quite frankly, where the black church is now starting to rise up and create that opportunity of healing. And there's still, no doubt, a journey that continues, uh, even since back in the 1960s, and uh, it's an ongoing process, isn't it? The idea of, uh, you know, when we talk about civil rights and uh, we talk about the way races live together, uh, that's an ongoing journey. Hey, I want to ask you about the challenger for the presidency, Joe Biden. And, of course, his running mate, Kamala Harris. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Joe Biden? There's all sorts of people reflecting on his mental health condition. Uh, there's all sorts of people reflecting on Kamala Harris uh, being very, very significantly hardcore socialist. Uh, what are your thoughts on those who are the opposition team this time round? No question about it. Uh, Kamala Harris is a socialist. No question pro-socialism at a level that's not even a hint. It is just raw socialism. Joe Biden has been in politics 48 years, and he is having problems speaking. He is having problems recall. And what has happened with Joe Biden, he is forced to go from what we would call a old-fashioned or traditional Democrat, and then since he's been nominated, he has had to become a socialist Democrat. And so he is he's in an area of politics that for years before he used to campaign against. But Kamala Harris is pulling him to the left and he is talking from the left and people see through it because that's not what his record has been. Some saying, too, there should be no debates between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, especially around uh, those sorts of issues, not being able to articulate his thoughts as well as perhaps he used to be able to do. What are your thoughts? Are there scheduled debates uh, that will be happening yes. before, the, before the, uh, the election? Yes, there are three. Um, one is going to be in about two and a half weeks. Um, there are three scheduled and there was a move to cancel the debate. What the left was saying is that president Trump is such a disgusting human being. Why talk to him when actually that was a disguise that they didn't want Joe Biden on the stage with him. And I would say that it should be a dangerous moment for the left to put Joe Biden on the stage with Donald Trump. It will not be pretty. Okay, and not much time left for our conversation. Uh, in my introduction, I uh, used some terminology around, uh, you know, the future of the world. Uh, people will often talk about an election campaign and uh, in order to uh, determine just how significant it is, uh, all sorts of terminology gets used. But I've heard this sort of thing about the American election, even the future of civilization at risk. Uh, what are your thoughts for the importance of the upcoming US election? And not only for people in the United States, but for all of those around the world who are affected by the ripples that go out around the world because of what happens happens in the U.S.? Great question. And the only thing I can tell you is that the concern that you have mentioned, we are all uh, concerned about, because if the election was to go to Joe Biden, 
America, the nation under God, would not exist. It will go away. We will be socialized. No question. But uh, what's happening here, since our economy is roaring back in spite of COVID and in spite of all of the rhetoric and harsh rhetoric going on with the election, is indication that we are strong. And when America is strong financially and economically, so is the world. And we are still the greatest marketplace on the face of the earth. More people want to do business with America than any other place. And I would say that that in itself is a great factor in this election. And what Donald Trump has done by taking on China and encouraging other countries to stand up for themselves has been a path forward for all countries to become more strengthened within their own boundaries and be proud of who they are. And if America remains on the right under a Donald Trump presidency and in, in, uh, economy, the whole world will continue to benefit. And as Ronald Reagan said, we will continue to be that city on the hill, that shining city on the hill. Perry, we'll, as Christians, we'll often say our faith is not in political leaders. Our faith is in God. But we do have this uh, this responsibility, this stewardship that we have for the well-being of our nations. Uh, the idea in America that voting's not compulsory. I wonder if you've got any thoughts on Christians and typical attitudes to getting out and actually casting a ballot on election day or in the lead up to. Uh, what are the, what's the uh, the feeling amongst evangelicals, the broader community, when it comes to getting out to vote in this particular election coming up? Well, Neil, that is the effort across the board with all people talking on talk radio or even on television is encouraging people to get out the vote. There is no reason for anybody not to vote if that ballot is sitting on the table in your kitchen. Okay. Well, let's... A real effort to remind people to pick, pick that ballot up, fill it out, and send it in. But I would say that the evangelical community in America is highly motivated to vote and the two things that are voted that they're forcing them to vote would be religious freedom and the life of the unborn okay big issues in play and uh, even giving credence to this idea that the future of the world uh, can be shaped by what will happen in the u.s at the november 3rd election uh, Perry, uh, Perry, great getting your insights. Perry Atkinson is a conservative political commentator, a Christian faith-based television host. You host a program called Focus Today, Perry. Uh, that is a political right. commentary mm-hmm. program, isn't it? No doubt people in Australia could stream that too and get some more insights from you. How would they find you on your Focus Today program? Uh, just go to our website, the Dove. one word, thedove.us and they can stream it and watch it. Uh, you can watch it or stream it, audio. And it, yes, we do a lot of political commentary, but we also do an awful lot of spiritual commentary as well. Okay, Christian insight into what's coming with the U.S. election. And uh, Perry, uh, you're an active conservative advocate, a former chairman of the Oregon Republican Party, three times a candidate for Congress, your son, a former state senator in the U.S. state of Oregon. I just want to thank you so much, Perry Atkinson, for your insights today and and, uh, for joining us today on 2020. Be there, UCB Australia. God bless you all. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.